I'm Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the matrix. And just to show you that nothing is the way that it appears to be, how it's all projected towards us through magazines, television, radio, and speeches from on high, it doesn't make truth any more true. In fact, we've got more lies than anything coming from the top, but that's what the big managers do. They're the big managers of society. Now we've got Mohammed from Oregon on the line. Are you there? Yes, I am. How are you? Oh, fine. Thank you very much indeed for taking my call, Mr. Allen. Uh, I would like uh, to bring to your consideration that uh, these stimulated packages that Nancy Pelosi, the Italian mafia, and then the rest of the gang in United States are trying to stimulate economy that is crashed already, and uh, they're sending us $600 a check, which we are going to get it by August or November of the seven, eight, nine months from now. This is all a sham, and the people must wake up. This, uh, these things are just a uh, bunch of baloney. Yeah, that's true. They are. Uh, and and the, the beauty of it is many of the people involved in this scam wrote about creating scams back in the 50s and 60s and how they themselves did it. And here they are doing it all over again, and the public are totally oblivious uh, because they just parrot, like Plato said, most of the public parrot what they hear from, from, from stage, uh, and now, of course, it's, um, it's television. And it's repeated over and over, this simple repetition by uh, the new priesthoods, the experts, and the public don't question anything. They just blindly go along, pay up the money, the extra money, whatever it is, bend over here, bend over there, and, and, and hope to get through their lives as they're being taxed into the ground. Uh, under this new system, we are slaves. People should realize that's what we are. We're all slaves under this new system, and we're owned as property of the big corporation, which is government. Governments are corporations. You know. Exactly. I don't know if you have seen that in Zimbabwe, uh, uh, Africa, uh, they have printed $10 million reserve note bank from their own country, and with the $10 million uh, of the Zimbabwe, uh, you cannot even buy a piece of a bread uh, in yep. Zimbabwe. Uh, have, do you have knowledge of that? Yeah, I know, I know they've been trying that too there, but you, see, you understand too, uh, that in some of the African countries, there's a big agenda to get the United African Nations together as one, just like Europe. And so they don't really want so much stability. They want to create a, a, a upheaval, and then they'll come down the road with the answer, which is amalgamation, single currency, and admission into the UN as a new, a new complete block of nations. And, and that will, we're, we're played along the same game over and over, you see. Because if the big bankers want to back that and make it solid, they'll do it in an instant. Right. And CanadianActionParty.ca, Connie Fogel. They have protesting February 26th, Saturday. They, uh, all over the Canada, I'm sure you are aware it or not, but yes. they are going to say referendum, referendum is the only way for North American Union. And I'm, sure, I, I'm very sorry that Americans uh, are zombies 
and they are not doing the same thing at the same time that the Canadian Action Party is doing. And we should go to the street. Millions, millions, we should go to the street. And we should say referendum, referendum. The only way is for North American Union. And this is the, this thing we're talking about, serious stuff. These people think that, oh, North American Union is uh, coming maybe 20 years from now, 10 years from now. No, they are serious. Within two years, they are going to sign off on it. And well, they, that, actually, what they did, I mean, that was on the CBC Canada, and that's the, for, for people who don't know, that's the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, like the BBC, that's owned by the government. And in 2005, when the Council on Foreign Relations came out and said they drafted up all these agreements that are to be signed into law, this non-governmental organization, um, they said that they had five more to sign. That's the 2010, and then the integration is complete. And they've already admitted that certain bureaucrats in the federal governments can swap positions from one country to the other. And they've integrated the security systems, that's CSIS, that's Canadian Security Intelligence Service, and also the CIA are now totally integrated, and now it's the military is doing the same thing. So you're quite right. 2010 is what they said, and that can go, you can go as far back as the free trade negotiations in the late 80s, uh, where they came out with the same the, the same statements. No one, we all hear those statements, but people seem to think it doesn't concern them somehow. It's odd. Exactly, and I'm very glad about your Canadian because you know in Europe the the government fears from the people. But uh, in United States, we fear from the government, and that's yes. the difference between the Europe and the United States. Well, uh, Kissinger, I think it was at Bali recently, uh, Kissinger defined for the first time what a terrorist was. And what he said was, he said, you people uh, have your idea of what a terrorist is. He says, we in the United States, when we call people terrorists, we're talking about groups of people who are anti-globalization. Right. That's the definition of a terrorist now under the U.S. law. Wow. And yeah. uh, so uh, I would like to ask you, have you seen the protocol of Zion, the movie, that it has been all over the United States and Canada? Uh, and uh, what is your opinion about the protocol of Zion? I never saw the movie. Um, I didn't know there was even one made. Yeah, um, a Jewish guy, Mr. Levin. And he is uh, already, I mean, you can go to Blockbuster or any of the Hollywood video, you can get it, called oh. Protocol of Zion. Yeah. Um, did, have you read the, the book as well? Uh, no, I, I saw the movie. It's so great. I mean, uh, I, 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 wonder if, I wonder if it follows the book and, and, uh, or if it's taking liberties or if it's keeping to the book. It'd be interesting to see it. Yes, but, uh, yes. what, what we do know is that whoever wrote it, and, and I, I guess really it was written by uh, what they called the International back then uh, in the 1800s, because it, it was published before, you know, and, and before the, the, the Russia got their copy, uh, that was already published uh, almost 50 years prior to that in France. And then it was dressed up and released as the protocols, in, in supposedly from Russia, um, and then brought over by Mars uh, to Britain. But uh, uh, whoever wrote it, there's no doubt about it, knew the agenda for the next hundred odd years, including the use of inoculations, including building up sports and building arenas all over the planet. But we didn't have arenas back then. Uh, it was unthinkable that men would just sit and watch sports all day. Uh, so they had all of this stuff uh, uh, very well documented, whoever put it together. But then when you go back into the older documentation of the international 
you find, and again, that's what I was talking about at the beginning of the show, you'll find that that same agenda was, was well written about even from the 1700s onwards and how to completely destroy the old society and then gradually bring in the new of interdependence, they called it. And that was, that was printed in the 1700s. But they'd have to destroy all that was to bring in the new. Yeah? Exactly, exactly. That's the, that's the movie is about, and it's very beautifully done by a Jewish, and himself is a Jewish, Mr. Levin, and, and he did that. And uh, I, I, I advise everybody, uh, go see this protocol of Zion, and then uh, whatever you tell, whatever Alex Amstari is talking about, or Alex Jones or Catherine Albright, it's all right, it's all exactly Mm-hmm. I'll have a look at it and see, yeah. But thanks for calling. Thank you very much indeed, and you have a good night. Bye-bye. You, you too, bye now. Now we've got, we've got um, Megan in Pennsylvania. Are you there, Megan? Yes, I am, Ellen. Yes, how are you? Oh, pretty good. Um, are you taking orders for your books? Because yeah. on your website you say um, donations through PayPal, and um, at the moment only one way. Yeah, and, until I get to the PayPal up to, up to commerce or whatever, the, whatever it is they do with their legalisms there. Oh, just to save me from you are me. taking orders through your books. Hey, oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. I misinterpreted that. Well, anyway, I listen to you all the time um, on my computer. I do have broadband, but I just continued my cable TV because of all the things you said, and I could see through all these shows. Like you said, it's, it's a farce. Yeah. Yeah, the, the reality like, shows are, are getting. Cool. Yeah, these reality shows. See, I've never watched TV for, for quite a few years, and uh, what I know though from other people is how far it's gone with the reality shows. Every, everybody wants to be on TV. They don't realize everyone is being encouraged, even the teeny boppers, to be to to have their whole life on on screen so that everyone else can watch them. They're giving up their right to privacy, and they want to do it. They think it's, it's the cool thing to do. Right. Well, I do. I, I understand. Well, I'm, I'm 51, and I was led into that whole thing with the hippie era, and mm-hmm. they, I was brainwashed, too, yeah. going against my parents. Yes. I mean, every, everyone had it done to them. Yeah. Uh, and they tried it. It was interesting, too, and someone wrote to me the other day and noticed the same thing. That before overt fascism or, or the Nazi philosophy comes into flower, if you look at the patterns in history, you find uh, a, a, almost a, a wanderlust. Uh, uh, the hippie type movement emerges, and the hippie movement came out uh, in the 19, right after World War One, the first uh, hippie movement in Germany, and it, it lasted a few years and then died away. And that was the time when they had drag, uh, the ragtime bands, uh, the booze cans, drugs were coming in, cocaine in the 1920s. The miniskirt came in, and then they went back to the drawing board, created the pill, got LSD, reintroduced the whole scene for the 60s, uh, and, and the heavy movement flowered again. And they even called it the flower movement, the, the flower power movement in Germany before World War II. No but, kidding. Wow. Yeah, yeah, so everything's been tested before in different areas. And what I noticed even when I was in Europe, traveling through Europe, I noticed that every country was experimenting on its own particular area in, in socialism. Uh, in Holland, for instance, back in the, the 70s, uh, the government started paying men to stay home and look after the babies. 
to, to do role reversal. Oh. And, and that was interesting to see that each country seemed to be specializing in a particular area. Sweden was way ahead for, I think it was Palm, uh, the, the Prime Minister, um, who gave the go-ahead for putting computer chips or, or the wiring into prisoners' brains back in the 70s. Uh, every country I went to had its own little speciality, and now they're bringing all of those techniques together for a world society. Um, and uh, we see the effects happening now. We're living in a dysfunctional system where no one can get along with anyone for very long. <laughs> How do you know all this? Because it's amazing what they can keep from people, you know. Yeah. Well, well they tried it, too. And also in Holland in the 70s, uh, they even did a BBC documentary where anyone could be an artist, and I think half the population uh, were uh, officially classed as disabled with bad backs. And you could also become an artist, and the government had to buy your art from you. And they, they got three massive buildings, like factory warehouses, to house all these scribbles that everyone suddenly became an artist, you get a grant, you see. And, and I watched the experimentation going on. I saw in Denmark uh, that Marxism was being preached openly in the schools, it was being taught in the schools, and that the sexual liberation was way ahead uh, there, the same in Sweden. And I, I knew the dysfunction uh, was being studied by professors at the top who were introducing all this and promoting it. And as I say, now they're bringing all of those things that worked, including the school-to-work system of the Pavlovian training in Russia. They're bringing it all into this global system, and we're seeing it all introduced. And that's why it's so dysfunctional as, as they go through into the next phase where, where we become basically slaves. Um, individualism was declared to be the number one enemy uh, back in 1840. Wow, and that's what the hippie era was supposed to promote, individualism, like the, yes. you know, the me generation and do your thing. Mm -hmm. That's right, and, and uh, uh, the, the drugs, uh, just be happy. Be cool. don't, again, don't look at the negative. Right. And so you turn your back on all the, all the things, survival capabilities, you just turn your back on them. And, and look where we are today with it. And the ones who went through the so-called hippie and then the yuppie movement, became the worst um, rip-off merchants when they went into business. They became the worst rip-off merchants, the, the most ruthless business leaders the world's ever seen. Uh, so uh, not much good came out of that era, you know. Yeah. Well, thank you, Alan, for opening my eyes, and thank you for your work. Uh, thanks for calling. Okay, bye-bye. Bye now. And I'll be back with more of this after the following messages. host great topics free speech at its best this is we the people radio network he's five foot two and he's six feet four he fights with missiles and with spears He's all of 31, and he's only 17. He's been a soldier for a thousand years. 
He's a Catholic, a Hindu, an atheist, a Jain, a Buddhist and a Baptist and a Jew. And he knows he shouldn't kill, and he knows he always will. Kill you for me, my friend, and me for you. And he's fighting for Canada, he's fighting for France, he's fighting for the USA. And he's fighting for the Russians, and he's fighting for Japan, and he thinks we'll put an end to war this way. And he's fighting for democracy, he's fighting for the Reds, he says it's for the peace of all. He's the one who must decide who's to live and who's to die, and he never sees the writing on the wall. But without him, how would Hitler have condemned him at Laval? Without him, Caesar would have stood alone. He's the one who gives his body as a weapon of the war, and without him, all this killing can't go on. He's the universal soldier, and he really is to blame. His orders come from far away no more. They come from here and there, and you and me, and brothers, can't you see? This is not the way we put the end to war. Hi, I'm Alan Watt, and cutting through this messy old matrix here, a world of illusions and mirrors, con games, and devious, devious people in power devious institutions that guide our thoughts, guide our educational systems too, is we have to grab the children very young. And even the word kids, which is so widely adopted, it was mentioned by Lenin, they said we shall dehumanize the people by introducing terms which are not human, and that's what a kid is, it's a young goat, now everyone says it, we don't look upon them as they are, as young human beings, you see, we're dehumanized in many, many ways much easier to get us along this uh, terrible road to be harvested for the wealthies uh, to live a bit longer than they already are. And falling right into this, here's a, a topic that was also in the, the BBC, and it's called, I think it was on January the 17th, BBC News in the Health section, Green Light for Hybrid Research. This is green light for hybrid research. Regulators have given scientists, those, you know, those priests again, scientists, this is the word that's good enough for us, the green light to create human-animal embryos for research. Right? The Human Fertilization and Embryology Authority granted permission after a consultation showed the public were at ease with the idea. Do you know that? Did you get asked? Eh? We all agreed. That, again, the public, the public, the people, the nation were at ease with it. We're very ease with it the idea. So as to put you at ease, if everyone else is at ease, then you should be too. That's how polls and things like that work. Experts said it was vital for, again, that's experts, that's a holy people, experts said it was vital for research into life-threatening diseases. So there's always the, the, the con there to help the poor unfortunates. Two centres, King's College London and Newcastle University, will now be able to begin their work under one-year research licences. Any other centres wishing to do similar work will have to apply to the HFEA for permission 
but you'll make a decision on a case-by-case basis. I guess if you want to be an ostrich and, and, and part human or whatever, be a hippo. Hybrids. Scientists want to create hybrid embryos by merging human cells with animal eggs in a bid to extract stem cells. Okay? All this nonsense about stem cells when they can actually take it from adults uh, and it's in the long bones and created that way. But they're always on about necessity to get fetuses because it falls in with a different agenda. The embryos would then be destroyed within 14 days. Aha, aha, aha. That's just like they tell you with the police. When the police have you on a database, when the expired time's up, they don't take it off. We all know that it's there for life. That's how things work. The cells from the basic building blocks of the body and have the potential to become any tissue, making them essential for research. That's what going to mix you with chickens and things. At the moment, scientists have to rely on human eggs left over from fertility treatment. What a joke. But they're in short supply and are not always good quality. Critics say, so we've got experts, critics, and scientists, but no names here. Critics say they're repulsed by the idea and there must be no creation of an animal-human hybrid. They say it's tampering with nature and is unethical. It is already illegal to implant human-animal embryos in the womb or bring them to term. Now, if you think that hasn't been done, uh, that's another great fallacy because when I watched a program a few years ago on the public broadcasting about the ark, that's one of these special arcs that they have, the three world, worldwide for the World Wildlife Fund, massive estate in Louisiana, run by a professor who teaches at a university down there. And they have all the eggs of all kinds of creatures on the world in three arcs across the planet in case anything goes wrong and they have to reseed the planet. And she admitted that all this stuff in cryogenics, they can bring them out, fertilize male and the female, uh, put them into a womb of any other creature and bring it to term. It's already been done, she said. Interesting, eh? So they're always telling us the nonsense, whether way ahead of whatever they do in a different department. It says, go ahead, Dr. Stephen Minger, that should be Mingley, and colleagues at King's College London want to create hybrids to study diseases known to have genetic causes. Or, oh, here we go again, such as Alzheimer's disease. It's all the aluminum that's in our stuff, and the spraying was with uh, spinal muscular atrophy and Parkinson's disease. Yeah, they really care about people that they themselves and their higher insulins call useless eaters. And Lyle Armstrong's team at Newcastle University are hoping to use a technique to help understand how stem cells develop into different tissues in the body. They just don't know. It's a big mystery. In the distant future, this information may lead to scientists being able to grow new tissue in the laboratory. They've already done it. I saw that when I did watch TV about 10 years ago. Dr. Armstrong said, now that we have the license, we can start work as soon as possible. We have already done a lot of work by transferring animal cells into cow eggs, so we hope to make rapid progress. That's milking the public, eh? a new term for it. John Smeaton, National Director of the Society for the Protection of Unborn Children, said the HFEA decision represents a disastrous setback for human dignity in Britain. The the deliberate blurring of the boundaries between the humans and other species is wrong. Does that sound familiar with other areas? and strikes at the heart of what makes us human. Once you knock the pillar down from the pantheon, all the other pillars take the strain and become terribly weak, and then down comes the roof eventually, which is the whole goal of the mission, you see, to destroy all that was to bring in that which is new. 
In ancient times, they used to say it in the mystery schools, the perfecting of that that was left imperfect. They claim, you see, that the great architect, and the architect is not a creator. An architect can only work because he's been taught to work, meaning someone had to teach him, with traditional methods using materials already at hand. The builder is the same. The builder can only use the materials uh, that are available in nature or is made or is made from things from nature but you cannot create brand new from scratch and here they are at it again with their Frankensteinian agenda and old Mary Shelley who came out with the, the book Frankenstein she was married to Shelley the poet uh, she met with with the big the big guys in the know and, uh, with her own little clique and they discussed the coming body-swapping parts and so on to do with humans. None of this is new. It was known back then what they were doing because they were already testing some of this 100-odd, 150 years ago. Back with more after these messages. genetics 
and the hormonal levels of male and female, by the way, and we're seeing the effects of it physically today in very young children, because these guys don't make wish lists. These guys are in positions of power who belong to big, big, wealthy associations that run the world and the banking and, and the pharmacology and everything else. So they don't make wish lists. And Galton Darwin talked about the need to eradicate a good portion of the population, but he also talked about the way to make them better slaves. And he says, he said in his own book, uh, if I remember it, he says, he said, there's always been a form of slavery in one form or another, he said, all down through the ages. Now he's talking about this term called civilization, which is the elite's term, because the introduction of money in the very first place was the introduction of what they call civilization. And the commerce came with it, of course, debt, slavery, and all the rest of it. That's what he meant. And he says, we are creating a more sophisticated form of slavery. So he's talking about making, they were, him and his boys and his whole clique at the top we're already working on creating a more sophisticated form of slavery. And guess what? It's here. We're seeing the verges of the next part of it, which is the greening, the greening revolution. As I mentioned earlier, that, that sacred color of the international, the greening uh, agenda. And I believe in Madeleine Albright's grandfather was the guy who worked in the communist system, who came up with the idea when they really merged communism with the West. Capitalism and communism are two sides of the same coin because the banker owned the coin, funded both of them. But here's a statement here by Huxley, the great Huxley, again, another one, uh, whose family, like, they're specialized families, like the Rothschilds tend to stay in banking because they're so well-bred that they don't deviate from their particular function. And the Huxleys, too, were similar because going back down through, through history, you'll find that the man, the best friend of Charles Darwin, and who took over from Darwin with the whole concept of evolution, was Sir Thomas Huxley, the grandfather. And, and right down through Aldo Huxley, and we also had his brother Julian Huxley that ran UNESCO, his whole idea, read, read Julian Huxley's the statements about UNESCO, uh, the United Nations Educational Society, is when he set up a standardized system to brainwash the children. He doesn't mince words if you read his quotes about it. But here's a good one from Aldo Huxley in Brave New World, and Brave New World Revisited. And it's, it's in a, a book that comes from the New Totalitarians by Roland Huntford. Roland Huntford is the author. This is a, a quote from Aldo as political and economic freedom diminishes, says Huxley, sexual freedom tends compensatingly to increase. And the dictator, unless he needs cannon fodder and families with which to colonize empty or conquered territories, will do well to encourage that freedom in conjunction with the freedom to daydream under the influence of dope, the movies, and the radio that will help reconcile his subjects to the servitude which is their fate. They love democracy, these guys, you see. The con job for the public. Now, I've said before, democracy is the opiate of the people. That's the con that they've pushed to us to make us believe we have some kind of say in the future and where we're going. There hasn't been a say for an awful, awful long, long, long time. In countries like Britain, they came up with the Chartist movements, which again was funded by the big banking boys and so on to create a new system because they knew that eventually the public would overthrow the old systems of total corruption 
where you bowed your head after taking your hat off, you doffed your hat when uh, the Lord and, and, and his mistress rode out from their big estate and you were standing at the gates. So you had to bow. You couldn't look them in the eye. That was a crime. That was actually a crime to look them in the eye. See the movie The Madness of King George. Well worth seeing, factual and truthful. You could not look these characters in the eye. And they knew the elite, that there'd be an overthrow eventually, especially if they were taxed and, and thrown off into wars and all the rest of it. They always to end up with nothing themselves. Uh, as if they stayed alive. And they came up with the idea of democracy, so they funded the groups that would push democracy. And uh, this, they found out that the public wouldn't revolt, you see. They'd, they'd simply wait another four or five years and vote the last bunch of crooks out and live in hope that the new bunch of crooks might be a bit better or not quite as corrupt. And that's what democracy is. Because only the psychopaths in the system get to the top. The psychopath is guaranteed, if he's intellectual, if he's been brought up especially with a family with a bit of power and financing, he's and he has a schooling for private schools, he's guaranteed to have the doors open on his way up. Ordinary folk can't do it. Because in politics, since you're dealing with psychopaths at that level, who are all corrupt, they'll either test you to see if you go along with all the little illegal things they're doing themselves as they help themselves to the, the big honeypot where the tax money is. And if you don't go along with them, they'll set you up and get you out one way or another. Some politicians have tried that and left politics rather quickly when they found out how corrupt and psychopathic it truly is. But the whole system we live in is totally inhumane to begin with. Success is supposed to be getting to the top in something with enough banknotes to match it, to match your status. Which means that there's, for every one winner, there's going to be an awful lot of losers, as they say. And when they make sure there's always enough poverty, so we see the poverty, there's enough news reports always every year about the poverty because we don't want to join those people at the bottom everything. And that's the fear motive that keeps you working in a system that is completely insane. It jobs you don't like, generally, for eight or more hours per day. That's if you've got one job, you have two or three nowadays. And, uh, and it's all driven by fear, fear of poverty, uh, fear of being sick and having no money to pay for your help, uh, fear of loneliness, fear of homelessness, all these fears are preyed upon by what we call a civilized society, civilization, and there's nothing normal about it. It's perverted, completely perverted. And let's be honest here, all the major religions of the West have gone along with this for century after century after century because they worked hand in glove with the monarchs they appointed in those countries hand in glove, it all rotates around the moneyed system. We think we're going to some beautiful, wonderful world. The term they're using, of course, since Arthur C. Clarke, is something wonderful is going to happen. And remember, you can see things from many points of view and many aspects if you only think about it. And from an elite's point of view, we all have our little chip. And before that, we know we're getting step-by-step all the way to the brain chip. That's coming. The card is only the next part of it with the active chip in it. Then we know that we're leading. We're going towards a sort of hell. It's going to be a hell on earth. And that's their utopia for them 
It's going to be wonderful. Back with more after these messages. Cover-ups, government corruption. You're listening to We the People Radio Network. WTPRN. Hi. I'm Alan Watt, back, cutting through the matrix. And... Just going through some of the things which people should be aware of and conscious of because we're trained, we're trained to almost scurry and, and float at the same time through life and only believe that we're evolving, this word evolving, down some kind of strange path, willy-nilly and the experts, you know, those, those holy ones again, different wound, different wound births, these people, special birth canals. And the scientists, again, special birth canals, uh, they just deal with problems as they come up at the time. And we ordinary folk must sort of go along with it to save ourselves because everything's a crisis, you see. This is the age of crisis creation par excellence. Never been done on such a scale before. It's a war footing, you see. It's a war scale. And that's exactly, as I said, at the beginning of the show, what the Club of Rome talked about. Uh, something uh, that would unite the planet together, everybody together, in a common cause. And only warfare they found in the past had made people obey and complain less and sacrifice, uh, not just in the field of battle, but, the, but back home as well with, with the quality of food and their way of living and so on. And so it's all to do with sacrifice, sacrifice for the planet, for the, the ones who've decided that sustainable development it's going to have a high price, and I don't mean just monetary-wise. And remember, taxation is defined as a form of slavery because you're either free or you're not free. You earn your, your wages or you don't earn your wages. If you own your wages, you own all of your wages. If you don't own all of your wages and you must pay the big boss, then it's a form of slavery because that money that they take from you represents your labor. That's what it is. You work for it. That was labor and they take it back off you in taxes. Taxes, and you have no say in where that money goes, what it's used for, or anything else. That's slavery. So Charles Gordon Darwin told us the truth. They often do. They often do. And some people will read that and say, oh, how silly. How silly. The man told us the truth. We're slaves, you see. And now we have a more sophisticated form of slavery coming into view under the greening the greening Mother Earth, old pan again in full blossom because the ancient religion all down through the ages always talked about nature and nature is God. Nature, nature, nature. And how by dissecting nature and everything in it, they would rebuild everything in perfection because they decided in their glory and their intellect that we were all just, well, not up to par, not quite up to quality control past level, you see. And they know how to make it all better. They're playing gods. Which shouldn't surprise us because in the ancient philosophies you'll find uh, that 
That's what they believed they could become through understanding. They become gods. And that's why uh, the old emperors, even of Rome, right down, including Constantine himself, had his own likeness put in a place, a temple, where he'd go and worship his likeness when he was elevated to godhood. And Constantine was no dummy. Uh, he followed the traditional roads of Rome, and he belonged to every insurance policy that they had. He belonged to every temple there was. He was also a member of the Mithraic cult. Very important sect, Mithra, because Mithraism was really uh, a form of early, what we call today, uh, Knights Templar type society. They recruited most of their members through the, from the warrior class and the slavery class that were in the military. M many people were pressed into the military in ancient times uh, as slaves, and if they survived a few battles, they might be given some kind of freedom. And so Mithraism was given the, this particular honor of leading the charge for the future through a secret society. It had been done long before then, before, mind you, they never really disappears. It only re-emerges under new names down through the eons. And Mithra was the guardian of uh, Ahura Mazda, basically. He was the guardian of uh, the Zoroastrian god. So they're the guardian of what they call the god of fire. Fire is revolution, revolution towards a particular cause and a particular ending, the perfection of man, the wiping out of that which is inferior, by the way. Uh, they don't, that's what they do with when they build structures like massive cathedrals. They destroy the old as they begin to build the new. But you wipe out the foundations. Look at 9-11. They, they took all this, everything away from there because they didn't want anybody to test what was there for, for specific types of explosives and so on. The same thing happened, of course, before that with uh, the Oklahoma City bombing. I think they even sold parts of, of the girders and the metal off to China and shipped out pretty fast. That's fairly standard. So they get rid of the, the old uh, foundation as well and build the new, always. And these buildings they make are very important to their societies. If you look at the architecture of them, it tells you an awful lot if you know what you're looking at. Now I think just before we're getting close to the close to the end, and I've got one one caller here as Ken from North Carolina. Are you there? Yeah. Hey, Alan. How you doing? Not so bad. Uh, I, I got a question. Have, have you ever read uh, uh, the elites uh, saying anything about if the people become awake in numbers? Have they ever commented on that? Yes, they have. Uh, they've, they've commented uh, a lot on it, in fact, uh, especially on various directives on how to keep the people divided. Uh, that's, how, that's where you'll find it, is, is how to keep the people divided. It's not hard to divide people through simple things, um, from religion to genders to everything. You have them all fighting each other so that they won't come together and save themselves. That's the, that's the, that's the dark beauty, you might say, of their methodology. They understand us very, very well. Uh, they know, and Charles Galton Darwin did write about uh, his fears of the masses um, doing this very, very thing, uh, outbreeding the elite, the control, and overcoming the structures that held their society in place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
I tell you, it's very true what you said about uh, it, it being lonely in the land of the blind. It certainly is. But the one-eyed man is king. Yeah. yeah. As long as you've one eye, you're still king. Yeah. Because no one else is looking. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, everything you said though about uh, degrees of waking up and uh, people that can't be woken up and uh, this whole massive structure that's in front of us. Uh, they they just can't see it. Uh, it's 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 uh. Yeah. It's interesting. I always use the analogy, which has been used many, many times, uh, because the, some of the, the top characters in Skinner and other ones used to, who were into behavioral psychology, um, and Tavistock did it too in their experiments, they put implants in the brains of rats and tried to find the sexual stimulus area. And they found that they could, that they, once they, they did that, the rat could pull a lever and it would go into perpetual orgasm. So much so that even when it was stopped, it would pull the lever again, and it would, it would starve to death. It wouldn't even eat its food. It preferred having fun, the sensation, than eating or drinking. And when I look at people today, uh, you're seeing them go through the biggest uh, gluttony that's ever been given to them before with, with cheap credit, um, cheap goods been flooding into the country to keep them occupied and happy, and having sex galore, like, like there's no tomorrow. And they're completely oblivious as they have fun. It's like people going around a whirlpool and they don't see the hole where the plug is and they're all going down together. They're having fun as they go down. And that's the technique that is being used as we go through this whole system. Yeah. And they only communicate. They only, I found out the hard way that uh, I can only communicate with them what I call surface talk. It's nothing in any depth. No, no, they don't want anything that's not on the news. If it's on the news, it might be okay, but anything that requires serious consideration where there's a fear factor, they will avoid it like the plague. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. Okay, I know your show's closing, Alan. I'll let you go. Thank you, buddy. Thanks for calling. Yeah, it's, it's called, it's called egocentonic uh, behavior, and that's what Bertrand Russell said that they would encourage in society. Uh, just perpetual fun, fun, fun. Um, people who would never mature, uh, their world would revolve around them personally. Me, my, how I feel, me, 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 me. And that's what you have in society. Uh, they have lost touch with the bonding process through others, which is so necessary for all our survival. Uh, and that was deliberate. And Orwell made reference to that uh, with his book, 1984, when everyone's got a television screen, it's a two-way screen, and the character on TV talks to you, and you're given a number, and, and you're told your number, and you're told what command to obey, bend down, stand, stretch, exercise, whatever, and that's what's coming down. We, we have no one to stand round about us to help us. It's divide and conquer, divide and conquer, until we lose our ability to help each other. That's the technique that's been used. From Hamish and myself up in Ontario, Canada, it's good night, and may your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>